Hey there, welcome to episode 18 of the Cafe Genius Impresarios audio program. Today is June 29th, as I record this, in the year 2023, probably publishing it on the 30th in the usual places. Today is a solo show, once again, getting people to uh, commit to a podcast episode around a holiday weekend is as challenging as ever, except when you're the uh, host, then it's easy. So... So we'll show today about one of my favorite topics. The entire focus of the Cafe Genius Impresarios audio program is our entrepreneurial ecosystem, our economy of the greater Vegas entrepreneurial ecosystem terrain, if you will, the the environment, the the economy itself, the environment in, on which it rests, the future that it holds. So today we're going to talk about hacking the ecosystem. What does that mean? What can we do? What are we trying to do, maybe? Let's get it started. So it takes more than headlines and likes to change an ecosystem. That hopefully will be clear. You cannot simply post on LinkedIn and uh, have things change. In fact, some uh, headlines are overly optimistic or sensational even, and they're not really true as written. Headlines are written specifically to gain attention, to get eyeballs, to have people click on things. The only thing bad about those is that so often people do not click on them. So the headline stands as is with none of the supporting details, which are often not quite supporting. What is hacking? So I am also the managing director of the Innovate for Vegas Foundation. We have monthly hackathon meetups. Hackathons uh, in that context are about ideation, innovation, implementation. So in other words, you write some ideas on a whiteboard or a dry erase board, if you like, uh, with various colors of markers. You bounce ideas around, maybe you, uh, well, identifying things you want to talk about, problems or other gaps or just creative ideas. Then you can take uh, those ideas and do innovative things with them. In other words, you could ideate on the best flavor of ice cream to have in an ice cream cone. That is not really a space for innovation unless you are also going to make some ice cream. Then you may have all sorts of flavor concepts that you'd like to try out. So the ideation part is is arguably essential, but the innovation is where things actually get interesting because that's where you start to turn those ideas into possibilities. And then implementation, that sometimes doesn't happen at a hackathon. Depends on the time, depends on the resources available, depends on who's involved. It might be a bigger sort of undertaking. So a hackathon really can start off and and be considered reasonably successful if there's uh, especially a two-day a weekend hackathon, which is traditional in, in sort of a student setting. Uh, certainly coming up with an innovation plan and some ideas about implementation would be considered pretty successful if you actually manage to cobble something together with wires sticking out or uh, a weird user interface if it's a software app or an unfinished work if it's a creative, uh, maybe it's a video that isn't quite edited down to perfection. But either way, uh, hackathons are really about the, ide- about the ideation and the innovation. And that's something we can do about our economy uh, all day without putting people out of work, raising uh, cost of living, altering tra- uh, traffic patterns, or all, all manner of uh, things that implementation might entail. So we can, we can hack on our ecosystem, on our local economy, on entrepreneurialism by talking about it, by really deep diving and thinking about things. And we don't have to get to implementation before if ever, uh, before the the innovation plan is sensible, implementable. The best hackathons, in my experience, have been uh, open-ended. 
sometimes there is a particular goal that's more of a sprint in a in a project sense. Hackathons are a little bit less structured in that you uh, there may be a topic, um, how to uh, how to enable better transportation to get people from home to work and vice versa and to school and so on. So that can be a general topic area, but uh, sprint is usually best focused on a particular problem with actual solution goals. We can we can mix those terms together though. Often people do. A hackathon is an innovation sprint or a just a general sprint. You can have design sprints. You can have a lot of sprints. So you can have uh, something with a goal at the end of a time interval with some people participating. And if it's if it's for a work place or a, or a an actual project, then Oftentimes there'll be uh, resources available to actually implement, or there'll be an implementation uh, implementation plan on a timeline or, or so on. So, in this case, we're talking about hacking in the in the broadest sense, and we are not yet to the sprint phase, but we might be someday. So, what is the ecosystem? Uh, the Greater Vegas Entrepreneurial Ecosystem. Uh, I know when I say Vegas, or I think when the world says Vegas, they may say Las Vegas. They do not mean the administratively bounded with real borders on a map with latitudes and longitudes or longitudes and latitudes if you're pedantic. Uh, they, they are not speaking of the city of Las Vegas. They are speaking of greater Vegas, the greater Las Vegas, the one where you say welcome to Las Vegas on a sign that is not in Las Vegas, for example. So the Las Vegas airport is not there. University of Nevada in Las Vegas is not in Las Vegas and so on and so on. So Vegas is bigger than most people realize, including those that are here. The ecosystem is a very complex thing with a lot of moving parts, including a couple million humans. Uh, I believe the city of Las Vegas census population is closer to 600,000, but the Southern Nevada, I'm, I'm going to say Clark County might be bigger. Not sure. I didn't, I should have checked, but we'll just say it's like 2.3, 2.5 million, something like that. We can get real numbers, but let's just say it's a couple million people. When you compare it to the approximately 40 million, give or take, people that are visiting the economy here, tourism, convention attendance, uh, entertainment, more often now sporting events, special events like the upcoming Formula One race in November of 2023, and so on. So there's there's 40 million people or so, according to the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority website. That's a lot of people. That's 20 times more, well, almost... It's like 18 times as many people that actually live in all of Southern Nevada. And, you know, let's be honest, most of those 40 million people are not visiting uh, the Hoover Dam. <laughs> they're not visiting uh, Tonopah. They're not, they're, they're really hanging out on the strip or near it, convention centers, uh, concert venues. Maybe they're going to the racetrack to drive a Lambo around the track a couple times. Maybe they're going hiking and biking, also fun and uh, worthwhile activities. But our, our economy is bigger than the, the footprint of the tourism, probably. So it's something to think about. Uh, the ecosystem that I describe and talk about usually uh, from an economic standpoint is very similar to a biological ecosystem. I took some ecology classes when I was, uh, I guess, a lot younger now. So I often make these analogies in that context. So I personally lean on these four pillars that make up the, the main components <clears throat> of the ecosystem. So if you look at, um, and I, I, I didn't write them down in the notes, but I'll, I'll kind of make my analogies to the biological ecosystem. So in our entrepreneurial and economic ecosystem, <clears throat> we have education essential. We can 
broaden that to be a talent pool, people that are capable of doing things in the economy, in the ecosystem. We are focused more on the entrepreneurial ecosystem, but in general, the economic ecosystem has to have talent. It has to have people, it must have people who are capable of contributing to the economy, of participating in the machinery that is, in our case, capitalism. Education is important. Be cool, stay in school. And so education, I usually say that's sort of like the soil in the, in the biological version, right? So that's, that's basically the, that is literally the foundation out of which everything emerges. Some things hide there, some things burrow, but the soil, the talent pool, that's where the rest comes from. Government participation, you pretty much need someone to take care of infrastructure, like, well, I guess you could say like rivers and uh, roadways and paths and things things that have to happen that will i guess in the ecological sense i mean a biological sense it would be <laughs> mother nature uh it's just the things like weather and components that have to sort of magically happen the people or creatures the flora and fauna in the ecosystem don't necessarily um, participate in that the government mother nature these are sort of external forces that should not necessarily drive they should participate in, but if um, if drive takes place, then I would argue that things might go awry. Uh, but on the other hand, you uh, don't mess with Mother Nature, so who knows? But government participation, very important. Infrastructure, regulation, legislation, eventually that's where grant monies come from, which uh, we will get to with access capital, but grant monies are not investments so, so much in uh, individual projects and people. They are invest investment in the ecosystem. Right. They are um, the lender of last resort, the the driver of uh, driver away from austerity, and so on. So, government participation essential. Uh, existing and emerging communities. Community is an often overused term. Uh, there is sometimes uh, discussions about the community, or there will be, uh, and and that means at city scale, right? Like the the entrepreneurial community, and that is nearly impossible to justify that oversimplification. So I personally uh, say that within an ecosystem, there are emergent communities. Some are some are here when you get here, but others emerge or vary in uh, efficacy. So I would say entrepreneurs are a community. There are probably several. There are, there are entrepreneurs that are, that are starting you know, retail type businesses. There are those who are starting tech, working remotely, have a storefront, uh, mobile businesses, all that. So uh, knowledge workers, there are people that are not starting businesses, but they work for others. There are creators who are making the world a, a better place through at least one of our other senses than the need for profitability and uh, exits. So these communities are, uh, they emerge, like I said, from the ecosystem. I liken communities in this case to say uh, bees and flowers, right? There's a bee community, the insect, and there's a flower community. They need each other. They are symbiotic. If one flourishes, the other probably does as well. If you remove one, the other goes away. I, uh, I also half seriously say uh, bartenders and programmers, or you know, pick your favorite two uh, communities in your favorite ecosystem. So existing and emerging communities. And then access to capital, the always bothersome missing component that no one can get enough of. There actually is access to capital in the greater Vegas entrepreneurial ecosystem. It is, well, it's more a question of access than capital. And those are sorts, those are some of the things that we need to hack on that we need to actually understand and sort of peel apart 
for a greater understanding. Uh, but all of these things, the ecosystem itself is a is a is almost like a you know living, breathing organism. It it changes, it grows, it shrinks. It uh, sometimes needs a little help. Sometimes it's sick. Sometimes it's ready to run a marathon. It all depends. It's also difficult and expensive to change either kind of ecosystem. Uh, when I was taking those classes, the the sort of first example, which um, which was uh, an example of a climax community, which we'll get to in a sec. Uh, climax community. The example was the uh, redwood forest in California. If you burn it down, you give it enough time, what grows back? A redwood forest. To change a desert to a flourishing, human-friendly city, say Phoenix, Arizona, Las Vegas, Nevada, a desert requires for humans to be able to live there requires tons of water and cooling. Thank you, Carno Cycle. Uh, not to mention roads and, and some sort of industry, access to food. So the ecosystem itself, which was already already had a climax community of desert-dwelling beasts, uh, little kangaroo rats and gila monsters and snakes, scorpions, spiders, prairie dogs probably. These, uh, these were the climax community and, and, and any number of plants, uh, saguaro cactus and other various types of trees that require almost no water, the list goes on. So to change an ecosystem from a desert or from a redwood forest to something else, you have to expend a substantial amount of energy and it takes quite a bit of time. Well, I mean, you can build things overnight now, but in reality, the ecosystem itself takes time to react, to, cha to change. Uh, when, when humans come in and uh, flatten everything and put in uh, plumbing and electrical and, and uh, roadways, the the local flora and fauna suffer a little bit, but give them a give them a nice pandemic, and they suddenly start wandering back into town. Like, hey, didn't, this is where we used to hang out. So, uh, habitat encroachment is a thing. Probably can be applied to the economy as well. If tech, for example, suppose we um, Las Vegas were to become the next Silicon Valley, which it will not, but suppose it did. Well. There's a, a tremendous population of people that are working here now in what I would say is our Climax community, the uh, people who enable tourism, hospitality, gaming, entertainment, and now more so sports. And if you ask Tina Quigley, she'll describe why entertainment and sports are kind of different. I mean, they are different. But, so we'll add sports, uh, especially now that the awful worst baseball team in history, Oakland A's, will soon be the Las Vegas A's. Kind of figure, it kind of figures, I think. <clears throat> so the Climax community is what it is today. If we attempt to encroach on that with uh, the new breed of tech startup, they come to town, they um, gentrify a little bit, they raise the rents because they're buying homes from uh, with their California money. I moved here from Silicon Valley, so bear with me. But if you have an injection of uh, carpetbaggers, interlopers, if you want to say they're, uh, they're a, a species introduced from somewhere else, this happens in nature too. You'll have a um, a species that is introduced on the island of Hawaii, the islands of Hawaii, now Hawaii, uh, or into the Everglades of Florida, and you always read these stories about a, a, a new species comes to town and starts eating everything and takes over. So sometimes that could happen, and you essentially push out the previous Comax community until there's nothing left. Then is that foreign species, is that new addition to the ecosystem going to thrive in the absence because that ecosystem was not established with that food chain in mind. Right? So can the ecosystem with this new change survive or will once that new uh, visitor depletes the food their food supply, will they remain? Will they move on? Will they die out? And this happens um, 
there's there's one example where uh, I think I've read one where a bird, a particular bird um, species, or maybe a subpopulation of a bird species, will become uh, fascinated with the reproductive organs of the flowers that enable their insect diet. So they somehow manage to disable. They'll like bite or whatever you do with a beak. They they damage flowers in the pursuit of the insects that they're actually trying to eat, and the flowers die out because. Uh, and and because the the flowers are feeding the entire population of these birds, the ones that damage the flowers uh, are being more aggressive. I guess they are able to consume more of the insect food. This is a hypothetical, but I believe there are, there are specific examples of this that I read about. So they take the food, they kill the flowers. The food supply diminishes over time. The less aggressive birds either find some other food supply or die out. The aggressive birds eventually deplete the diminishing insect population. They die out. The flowers that are able to reproduce into the future remain and recover because they are part of the climax community of that ecosystem. And lo and behold, the flowers are back. And then the birds will come back and the cycle begins anew. So I make that analogy sometimes with um, the notion that, what, since the 30s, the climax community that is focused on tourism and hospitality and certainly gaming, entertainment and sports now, uh, here in Las Vegas has been around for quite some time. It's got a lot of momentum. And so disruptive forces that might price people out, might uh, equivalently deplete uh, access to essential resources like food and shelter. Cost of living goes up, gentrification. Will that be sustainable? That's a good question. It's something to think about. Uh, it's a question I've raised over time. So the, uh, the minor flora and fauna of uh, the greater Vegas ecosystem I often say entrepreneurial, but I think the economic ecosystem is sort of a superset. Uh, certainly from the outside, it looks like our entertainment, gaming, so on. That is the ecosystem. But the entrepreneurial ecosystem is maybe sort of overlaid or borders or however you want to draw it on a map. What's the shape of it? That's a good, that's a good question. Uh, so we have biotech and software unicorns that will that will exit after being hyperscalable and, and all the other whatever. Uh, manufacturing and other sort of uh, hardware pursuits. Environmental, uh, some people don't know this, but Las Vegas is actually, or Southern Nevada, is actually one of the most effective, uh, prolific um, sources of research and, you know, effective research and ideally conserve, conservative outcomes when it comes to water uh, conservation. So we also have our own concerns about energy in general, but certainly water, Lake Mead, the level of lake meat, the consumption of water, the recovery, recycling, all that. This is a one of the things on the on the resume of Southern Nevada that doesn't always make the papers, but it is a uh, is a real truth. So there there are certainly industries that can be emergent into the future of our diversifying ecosystem in the areas of environmental uh, sustainability, energy. There's also resources like lithium other agricultural and mineral and so on. So there's an entire collection of things that are not tourism, hospitality, gaming, entertainment, and sports, but they do not quite make the headlines. They don't make the, the they don't make the funny papers, but they also don't have quite the impact yet. And so the question is, would over-focus on any of the minor possibilities lead to any sort of diminishment of the effective or the health of, say, the Climax community, which is all of the people and infrastructure that enable the main, well, the climax community, right? The tourism, hospitality, gaming, entertainment, and sports. And then another ecological term I've always liked, carrying capacity. What, what's the right size 
I'm not talking about the tourists. There can be people visiting. If nothing else, this is a place built for people visiting and leaving. I want to say 155,000 hotel rooms at hotels and resorts. It's a lot of space. So the carrying capacity, uh, probably limited more by water and the ability to get around. Um, I don't know that there would ever be a food shortage in the near term, but water more likely. And uh, that's always a problem. Uh, natural resources in any type of ecosystem, biological, economic, or otherwise, and changing those, bringing water from somewhere else, digging channels, uh, altering reservoirs, seeding clouds, which is, by the way, I believe there's uh, $1.2 million set aside in a budget for coming year to seed clouds to encourage rain. So let's hope it makes a difference, I guess. So the, the ecosystem, biologically and economically, uh, they share a lot of things. They share a lot of factors. They're almost interactive, interdependent on each other. In some ways, they actually are. Like I said, water. Water is important for everybody. Uh, other things like cost of living are sort of second order, but they're all important to think about. That's what our hack thing is about. Hacking? Hack thing? I was almost going to say hackathon or hacking. So let's the hacking, let the hacking begin. Uh, I have mentioned before, in fact, I believe my previous episode was the Hacking Roundtable. We've had a group of people, a small group, meeting monthly for all of 2022 to talk about our ecosystem. The the takeaways so far have been establishing th- objectives to explore the shape of the ecosystem, a strategy to improve it, if it does need improvement, and then metrics by which to measure it so we can tell, A, if it seems like it needs improvement, and B, that any strategy undertaken, implemented, executed, can make measurable and hopefully positive changes to report on a feedback loop, if you will, just like nature. So uh, the group of people that were in that uh, have all, well, I, we're going to write a paper at some point or we'll publish. So uh, James, Matthew, Samantha, Stephen, uh, Ezekiel, Natalia, and Evelyn, myself, Jason. Jason is uh, always known by his own, his single name there, but as we publish stuff, attribution is important and everybody will get credit for that. But we did establish those uh, those top three in the second cohort meeting. So that was in February of 2023 are pretty reasonable and we focus on those. So some of the questions, I uh, have them in the show notes. Uh, can we encourage symbiosis between the Climax community as it is today and emerging minor players, the, the areas of focus? Uh, do we risk pricing people out? Uh, we saw during the pandemic that rent increases uh, were substantial in some cases, 25 to 40%, depending on which numbers and where and how and who. But there were some people that got priced out and they departed geographically. So they left the area. They're the, a lasting impact on the hospitality industry and the ability to hire. The last number I saw recently was uh, that there were eight job openings. Can we, can we actually make these changes or encourage the emergence, continued emergence of these other uh, possibilities out risking the people that enable the Climax community and pricing maps. If the cost of change is too high, what do we do with that? Is the greater, uh, the greater Vegas culture capable of supporting an innovation economy? That is a question I continue to ask myself. Certainly mentioned before, I have the Innovate for Vegas Foundation. I try to encourage people to innovate for fun and profit, except for the profit part. Uh, but no, we have we have a culture of innovation that can be found around the world great fortune of being able to engage with many people in many places at many hackathons. And it, it always amazed me what people were capable of doing in the space of 48 hours without sleep and with uh, some friends, some ideas, some Red Bull, some pizza or Red Bull or your favorite stay awake juice. So those are always good times. And people who are innovative and who want to take a weekend 
do fun yet still innovative things, that's a force to be reckoned with. And my question is, is and remains, is the culture of that here? Is the culture of innovation present at a critical mass in economy, ecosystem, geographical area? As a hanging question, we'll see. We'll see over time. Uh, is there infrastructure to enable research and initial scale, as in startup, production of outcomes of innovation? Ideas are great. Execution is what matters. Uh, ideas are worthless. Execution is worth, you know, whatever, however you want to. The notion that we can be is interesting. The notion that we can execute on being is very different. I have said since 2014 or 15 or so, 14, I think, that there needs to be uh, the resources in place, the facilities, not only the culture, but the infrastructure to enable ideation, innovation, implementation, although I didn't use those words back then in that order. But in order to enable this innovation economy, you need, you need to have a place for some people to actually implement. I have frequently said that, yes, you could start a software company at a, at a coffee shop. You just hang out, buy a bunch of coffee, tap away on your laptop. If you have a couple of friends, you can work remotely or you all converge on a coffee shop and all that. That's fine. If you're doing biotech or uh, environmental or sustainability or manufacturing or material science or um, anything medical, that's not going to cut it. You need something a little bit more substantial than a coffee shop, even more substantial than two coffee shops. And I have said since 2014, when I was having my conversations with people at UNLV, that essentially that's where these things would have to start. Industry is not going to build a fabrication facility or a biotech. And, you know, th these are the sorts of things that are sort of left academic pursuit initially. So can the Greater, greater Vegas innovation infrastructure emerge from the tech park, UNLV, and the various academic programs and research projects and the the stature that UNLV has for research and tech transfer especially. Uh, are we encouraging aspirational innovators to pursue their ideas regardless of identity, that is age, uh, status? Are we, are we keeping people out because they're under 21? Sometimes we are. Are we enabling uh, kids of all ages, no matter who or where uh, they have come from? to enable them to get to where they want to go to, to turn ideas into action, to change the world. It would be completely ridiculous. P keep people out. Keep people with brilliant ideas or the desire to have brilliant ideas with friends. Just get a dry erase board, right? To say, oh, no, sorry, you're not old enough, or you're the wrong this, or you're not that. These are ridiculous notions. Uh, slowly but surely, that's changing. Uh, but, yeah, we need to first, the, the easy one here in Vegas Stop. If you need to go to a bar, that's great. Do your thing. That does power some of our uh, probably entertainment and gaming. But you know that, that's fine. But if you say, uh, "Hey, we're going to celebrate innovation by having a gathering that you must be 21 to be, to attend," that, that just flies in the face of uh, what should be happening to enable innovation. So that's something that we have to consider culturally and. From an infra infrastructure standpoint, does the Greater Vegas ecosystem enable and encourage this uh, innovation, ideation and innovation, uh, regardless of age? So it's a question of inclusivity and accessibility for all. And, you know, you can put in there actual accessibility. Can Are we, are we overly focused on, I mean, this is an audio podcast, right? There should be a transcript available. That is a doable thing. It's on the to-do list. The army of one, always busy. But... These are, these are the low-hanging fruit items, right? There's nothing but technology and more technology available to enable the connection of those who want to participate and those who can and do 
So we can we can make those groups the same. We just have to use the tools that are before us to do that, including people and uh, ignoring ridiculous and irrelevant factors and inviting ideas and innovation are critical. Do we lean towards elitism or egalitarianism? That is a great question, and I can answer it very briefly and quickly. Elitism. Uh, do we focus on solipsism or altruism? That is also unfortunately easy, but not quite as severe. But solipsism is unfortunately in the lead, in my experience. I don't know if I've said this recently, but I've I've coming up on 10 years in Las Vegas. So I've been kind of watching and learning about how our ecosystem functions or does not for, for just about 10 years now. So my opinions are subject to change. And certainly, like everyone else, I am affected probably severely by selection bias, by availability heuristics. But certainly uh, elitism, what I mean there is that you must know people and they must know you. Uh, the halo effect here is real. Assigned credibility until until you uh, accomplish otherwise. And similarly, people are tend to be more interested or focused on their, outco- their outcomes, not the outcomes, if that makes sense. Just my opinion there, but I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people are saying this is not necessarily... Uh, far from the truth in either of those cases. So turning people away because they're under 21 or because they aren't already wearing a halo that was given to them by someone else. These are not great. Finally, all we need to tackle all of this to change the world as we see it from here is an all-nighter weekend of Hackathon. No, I'm just kidding. It's not going <laughs> to It's not gonna happen that quickly. However, we do need to take that line of thinking and action. And while one weekend Hackathon will not solve everything, that mentality might. Uh, we probably don't have 10 years to, uh, to wait for someone else to do things either. So entrepreneurialism, from what I've been saying, especially over the last year, year and a half, uh, entrepreneurialism is not necessarily, even though the, the dictionary definition is it's about somebody who uh, starts companies. And, but if you aspire to be an entrepreneur, you must have certain character flaws. You must have certain problems. Uh, but the notion that someone else might do something and so you might not have to goes out the window, right? A real entrepreneur says, I'm not going to wait for someone else. That's how the internet started, right? There's You can wait all day for someone else to change the world or you can change it yourself and have others join in. So in my view, this is my personal opinion, in order for our ecosystem to thrive, in order for our entrepreneurial ecosystem to enable and encourage exactly that, we have to do it. We cannot wait for someone else. And previously I said the government should not be driving things. The government should be there to enable, but by its very nature, the government is not made up of entrepreneurs. So people who are actually making things happen need infrastructure and regulation and some grant monies and so on to drive efforts. But these efforts really should be, especially in a capitalist society, they should be driven by people on the ground doing things. Going to be an entrepreneur, you cannot be working for someone else. Not really, not technically. You need to be really entrepreneurial and make it happen. Don't wait for somebody else. Let's do it. So that's a that's a reasonable place to take uh, a part one ending. This surely will be an ongoing discussion. Uh, the roundtable, as I mentioned in my previous episode, the hacking roundtable, is going to grow in reach, ideally also in participation. The notion of a closed population was interesting. Uh, meetups are always a challenge. So if our culture of... Uh, Let's say let's let's say somewhere in the middle between solipsism and altruism is uh, sensibility 
if our culture of sensibility will will grow a small cadre of people who want to learn more about, and I'm not teaching right now, I'm not teaching at all. Uh, we really need to learn and understand how our ecosystem works for all. That's a huge lift. So not not one person can do all of that in any reasonable amount of time, given we're volunteering to do this. But it is a sort of a self-satisfying effort in that by knowing how our ecosystem works or not, you become a stronger player within it and you can help others. And if you believe that elevating our ecosystem helps you, you can have some solipsism on the house. We'll see how things go in the coming months and years. The roundtable will resume as a community of practice. Ideally, there will be intentional participation by people from many more walks rather than having a single meeting every month. There hopefully will be more uh, goals that can be pursued with discussion and real research and uh, collaboration. And then we'll try to advance the cause so that a, a greater understanding of a prosperous and economic in general ecosystem can result because the people that will make it happen are listening to this episode of this podcast. And if they aren't, well, they will be a part of this too. So hopefully we can all sort of learn, figure out what's what works and what doesn't, take action. So thanks for listening. Uh, this has been another solo episode of the Cafe Genius Impresarios podcast. Ideally, I will have some guests in the near term about our ecosystem, about creating businesses here, about the impact of potential gentrification or changing our ecosystem, overly driving some of the diversification effort. Yeah, I editorialize that a little bit. Uh, yeah, we'll just see where it goes. So I'm, I uh, continue to have a show each week, and ideally there will be some more interesting guests. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned.